Hey, hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Papaw, Season 2. Now, in Season 2, we're going to focus more on children's ministry and the importance of being involved in children's ministry. Hopefully, give some insight, some inspiration, some instructions, and in how we do things at Christ Temple Pentecostal Church in the Sunday School Department. We're also going to share ideas from other folks that we're connected with. Now, you may say, is this for me? You betcha. If you got youngins in your life, you need to listen in. So, hey, listen up. Get on board as we tackle topics and investigate ideas about the greatest ministry in the whole kingdom right here on Growing Up With Papa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another podcast. We have a special guest. And that sweet little introduction was from Sweet Little Arlene Levins. One little, two little, three little Arlene's. Papa used to sing that to her all the time. Four little, five little, six little Arlene's. And she's talking about the special guest that we're having today named, what's her name, Laura? Ashlyn. Ashlyn is one of Papa's girls and has never, ever been on a podcast before. She's a little bit shy. And we've roped her into it today by saying we're going to talk about some cool times past and some stuff we do that's really fun, which is what, Ashlyn? The nursing home. Nursing home services, nursing home singing, nursing home fun. These girls grew up performing in the nursing home. That's where they became... Rich and famous. Well, famous anyway. Are you rich, Ashlyn? I wish. <laughs> what age do you think you first started singing in the nursing home? Um, Maybe about three, four. Yeah, probably so. Whenever you girls, her and Aaliyah were like a team. They were the duet. They sang like every nursing home service. That's kind of where we got them started at. We would go to two different nursing homes in Gina, and these girls just stole the show each time. So you probably started three, maybe whatever, four years old. So when you first started, do you remember being nervous or anything like one of those people? Um, At first, I was nervous, but then once we started doing it more, it was like, it was fun. I tell you, a nursing home crowd, sometimes I say crowd, it may be three people, it may be 30 people, but the nursing home crowd is, I'd say, by far the toughest audience I've ever played or sang in front of. It's, it's really tough. It's like boot camp for a performance. If you can preach, sing, play, whatever, in front of a nursing home crowd, you can do it anywhere because... I mean, you no telling what kind of response you're going to get, usually like none. Do you remember uh, them just sitting there, Ashlyn? Oh, yeah, they would sit there and stare at you, and you're like, you didn't know if you were doing good or bad because they just stared. Yeah, never an applause, never anything. So we just you became just immune to having any kind of response. And uh, so sometimes if you thought you had to have some feedback, whether you're preaching or whatever and they just sitting there looking at you but i could always tell you that whatever we invested in it you could see the the response in the end by their response to you they come to you and tell you how much they enjoyed it or they would actually get in 
into a spirit of prayer and just people be weeping and crying and praying. We've seen lots of people get the Holy Ghost in a nursing home service in the past. And lots of times what would happen, and we've seen this several times, Brother Posey would preach like he was preaching at peak. The girls would be singing a little sweet song, an altar song, pulling on these people. And they'd be praying. People would be praying with them. And, man, we've seen people pray through. And we'd go up there and baptize them in the whirlpool. And sometimes just weeks or days even afterward, these, we'd find out these people had passed away. And possibly been their only opportunity at any kind of a, a spiritual relationship or, or door into the eternal. So, Ashlyn... After you got to singing for a while, uh, do you think it helped you singing in other places? Yes. I know we went to uh, several different things. We used to get invited. I guess we kind of, we were so busy that we weren't able to make every year. So I guess they kind of found somebody else. But we'd go to a, a pretty big production that was about a three or four night deal. And it was a play christmas play cricket county some of y'all probably heard of it we feed you and it was a big deal put on by a church in a neighboring city and we'd go be the pre-service entertainment and these girls i can remember this like they were not intimidated at all they would stand on the stage and just sing their little hearts out and they were they were they had got past all the jitters and i think because of the nursing home Matter of fact, I look over one time, and Aaliyah, she's probably four, five, six, I don't know. (laughs) Here we are in front of, I don't know, 200 people eating, watching, staring up on a stage. It was actually a big, tall stage. I looked over here, and she's, what do you call it, Ashley? The floss. She's doing the floss, (laughs) whatever. Were you swinging your arms back and forth? She's just performing in front of all these people. And Ashlyn, do you have a special memory at all about any of the old folks? You may not remember their name, but like any of them coming up and petting on you or telling you something special or maybe a funny event that you can remember? Um, I don't really know. They just come up and hugged you and told you you looked pretty and you sung good. And then they would like grab you when they let you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little awkward. But there was also a lot of funny things that happened. Well, maybe we can get into some stories like that one day. But before our horse feed today, I wanted to talk about the connection between children's ministry and nursing home ministry. Let's get into that right now. Let's do it. What do you think? Come on, Ashlyn. What do you think? Sure. When you hear that sound, that means we fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit. Because there's more in there than just horse feed. <laughs> hey, for a horse feed today, we're going to talk about and discuss and figure out the possible connection, what I think is a connection between nursing home ministry and children's ministry. Now, Everybody that's involved in children's ministry, I'm sure, is not involved in nursing home ministry, but there are more people than you think. I've talked to several people across the country, and it seems to be a little common denominator that people who are big in children's lives and try to be big influencers in the lives of, of children also have a heart and a place for 
older folks and actually are used in the nursing home ministry sometimes. Now, I pondered on that, and I wondered, now, why is this? And it could be the fact that children's ministry, in my opinion, is the most effective place, or one of the most effective places, I guess, to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You're getting involved in a person's life, in a life of a soul at a young age, and you're helping steering them in the right direction. You're doing your best to influence them young, get them started right, so that when they launch into this life that they're not pointed in the wrong direction, which will make a huge influence in their future, just getting involved at a young age and seeing the importance of that. Well, now you flip that coin around and think about the opposite end of that. On the other end of the spectrum, at the end of life, here are a lot of souls that have been through this life and been through the ups and downs, and they're in a vulnerable state, and they're in a place that they're more acceptable, and they're at the the verge of seeing eternity, of going out somewhere into some place for for eternity. Now, this place right here could also be called the most effective place to affect a soul, to affect somebody's uh, it, place in eternity, if you can catch them right before they slip through that door, right before they cross that river. And well, I've seen it. You know, if we believe what we preach, if we know what the Bible says, there'll be some that come in right at the last, at the last minute, and they're going to be, they're going to get that reward just by obeying, being presented this truth, this plan of salvation, this, these steps, and obeying these steps, and doing what the Bible says, and will get paid the same penny that the people's worked all their life for. So in my opinion, nursing home ministry could be equally as important as children's ministry because this is a prime place to catch some soul before they slip into eternity and introduce the plan of salvation, introduce the love of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost, the changing spirit of God that can do what only God can do in their life. And you are introducing that to that soul. And on top of that, I also believe that a, a person's spirit, when they get old, a lot of times you'll see them revert back to almost childish things. So there's all it's like there's a common uh, spirit about the person and the the mentality on maybe that they have. It's childish. It's uh, it's innocent. It's trusting. Whenever you get to that stage in life that you have to depend on people like a child, maybe it's a time that uh, you're more malleable, that you're able to be influenced more. So there's a couple of things that we can say for sure that the elderly and the, the young have in common. So if you're not involved in nursing home ministry, try it out. You may find that you're just as... Uh, influenced and you have just a big of a burden for the elderly and the infirmed and the ones that are basically just uh, shut-ins as you do for the young people and the children in your life. So try it out today. See, you might find your little niche and say, here's another spot where I can make a difference in the kingdom of God. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. 
So Ashley's pretty talented on the keyboard. Um, what's your favorite song to sing and play, Ashley? He Knows My Name. He Knows My Name. You want to sing it for us? <laughs> Maybe another time. I probably have an old recording somewhere I could stick in here. Yeah, go look at her mama's Instagram. <laughs> So this kind of, I think, created a love for music and singing and playing. And they would get in their rooms on their keyboards and play and practice. But this exposure, I'll call it, just to put them in front of people and let them see the response and the effect of the efforts that they put into it and watching it grow. It's kind of satisfying to, to say, hey, I'm investing myself and look at what's happening. It's kind of like planting seeds and reaping. You get to see the benefits from it. So this time of year, we always hit the nursing homes with our Christmas songs. And we would sing some that we practiced at home. What's some of the ones we sang, Ashley? We sung Silent Night. Um, I think Mary Did You Know. Yeah. Um, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Oh, yeah. That was y'all's little famous go-to. Go Tell It on the Mountain. And I tell you, Christmas songs are tough. A lot of the times, the chords are different, and we have to learn them all new, but they're fun. And it, it's always caused us to practice at home. Christmas times are coming. I remember when you sung that one. Did I sing it normal like Bill Monroe, or did I sing it like, <laughs> No, I think you sung it normal. <laughs> I guess it's not a spiritual Christmas song, but it's a fun song. We'd sing Jingle Bells and Joy to the World and all the old th old songs. Whoa, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means it's time for Hair and a Biscuit. That's right. Just a little something you wasn't expecting that we're going to pull out and check out before we go any further. All right, get ready, Boots. Here we go. Hair and a Biscuit. Hey, hey, it's time for Hair and a Biscuit. Now, last week we promised, no, wasn't last week, week before last. Yeah, it's been, I fell off the wagon. Been super busy. I'm sorry. Look, Christmas banquets are coming up. I have got construction projects going on at the house. I'm trying to keep up with um, workers and keeping everything going around here. Man, so... We got time today. I'm going to jump back on the wagon and finish out this hair and the biscuit that you heard about. And it is a funny story. And I asked my friend. He said, yeah, I'd be fine. Go ahead and talk about it. <clears throat> so a friend of mine done something that I would love. I think this would be so phenomenal. And he said it's just really not super-duper expensive. He took training and got his private pilot license which actually he almost finished. He didn't quite complete the course. He stopped right before uh, he got his his license did. But what he had to uh, 
he had to spend some time training, flying, studying, uh, and taking several hours of in-flight training. Well, came the day to do his first solo flight. Now, let me give you a little bit about the personality of my friend. He loves to make sure that everything is just right. And he is great to work with because all his stuff is organized. He is super-duper organized. Everything's just perfect. He's on the verge of being a perfectionist, but he's hung around me so long, he probably gets over that a little bit. But he's just a uh, really neat and organized person. And it came time for his solo flight where he gets in the airplane by himself, flies through these predetermined uh, places, maybe land. I think he was supposed to land at a couple spots and then fly back and log it all in to go finish his final uh, exams or whatever. Well, his instructor gave him, they have to use these manual uh, coordinate maps where you have, you you map out your your destination and your flight path and all this modern gps it's you're not supposed to use all it's easy i think nowadays to just type it in and let the plane basically fly itself but he had to know how to do it from a big rollout map with these longitudinal and latitude markings and uh, these lines and he had to calculate degrees and angles and flights and fuel and it's a lot to it he was explaining to me and so his flight plan you had to dial in certain coordinates and degrees and stuff he, he'd give it to his instructor and said here's uh here's my fi- flight plan you can check it out and his instructor probably knew how he was and said oh yeah it's probably fine I, it's, it's good well he didn't even really look at it to double check it and he kind of made him nervous but he got in the plane took off dialed in his coordinates and found out to what you were supposed to do is have waypoints between you and your destination, like a lake, a a water tower that you're going to see after a certain amount of time. Maybe you fly five minutes, you see this water tower, you fly 10 minutes and you see this lake. Well, he got dialed in and at five minutes, he was supposed to see some certain thing and he got to looking, couldn't find it. And after 10 minutes, the next waypoint, he was supposed to be able to see this certain thing on the ground. And he looked and didn't see nothing that looked like it. And so he got nervous. He got to realizing that he's flying around up in the air completely lost. <laughs> he got to wondering he didn't have any idea where he was at. Was he actually flying north, south, east, or west? What direction was he going? And I bet... That's a scary feeling, <laughs> being in there without uh, modern technology and being lost, flying around and wondering where you're at and not being able to recognize anything, <laughs> wonder how far you've been. So he looks and he sees an airstrip, just a small airport. So he just nosedive towards the air airstrip, which is not protocol. You're supposed to radio in if you know that airstrip's uh, radio numbers that you that tune into their station and you communicate with them. They give you clearance to land. He didn't know where he was at, so he couldn't connect to them. So basically, he just saw a place to land, pointed his plane towards the landing strip, and just 
landed his plane <laughs> in this small uh, runway. Well, it caused a little bit of chaos and commotion. They, a guy come running out and wondering what in the world he was doing. And he opened the door wide-eyed and wise as a sheet. And he said his coordinate paper was flying out through the air. <laughs> he said, he opened the door and said, ma'am, the guy asked him, what are you doing? He said, man, I'm lost. <laughs> and the guy kind of laughed about it. And I guess they didn't have another plane going to come in and run over him. So he, uh, Explained to him where he was trying to go, and he said, "Well, you're you're off just a little bit." And he come to find out his his degree or his coordinates or his, his flight plan was off just maybe like one or two degrees, which put him several miles in the wrong direction, just a little bit one way or the other than where he was supposed to be going. Just a couple degrees made him get off that much. The further he went, the further off he got. So. He told him which direction to go and what to look for, and he got back on on his uh, flight plan, made it in. But don't you know that that was a scary experience, realizing you're in there flying an airplane and you don't even know where you're at. <laughs> but, hey, I guess that's why we got to make sure we're dead on when we head out. Mm-hmm. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Well, I guess that about does it. Got anything else you want to add here, Sister Ashley? Um, not that I can think of. What about you, Laura Lynn? She's sitting on the sidelines wanting a microphone. What about you, Laura? <laughs> guess not. All right, well, I guess we'll get out of this red hole. We'll see y'all next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>